Welcome to the Emotional Logic Podcast, where you can hear and consider new approaches to topical issues. In today's podcast, Dr. Julie Henshelwood and Dr. Trevor Griffiths, the founder of Emotional Logic, discuss how order can emerge from emotional chaos by learning emotional logic. So I think what people are concerned about, we're offering a very different theory of change, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means you're looking at what is a, what is the root cause of something? Mm-hmm. How would you remove that cause in mm-hmm. order to bring about change in whatever the system is that you're, you're looking at? Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is that behind all the mental illness stuff, there is emotional chaos. Mm-hmm. And an emotional chaos theory fits with the generalised chaos theory, mm-hmm. which now is known to apply to any physical system. Mm-hmm. And we're saying that the physical system here is the physiology of the body and the brain, mm-hmm. uh, particularly focusing on a whole series of emotions that constitute a grief reaction, a loss reaction. Mm-hmm. They're a consistent set of difficult, different Uh, emotional preparation states that help you to bring about an adjustment but when they get all disrupted Mm -hmm. and turned into a chaotic system rather than a smooth flowing system a laminar flow into a chaotic turbulent system that affects the way you feel the way you think the way you behave the way you respond to other people so it's a root cause of all the disruption of social and personal life from emotional processing We've been through a phase of therapeutic uh, work, which has developed a diagnostic model, describing patterns of response, putting a name on them, and looking for physical causes such as brain chemistry, serotonin levels, and so on, endorphins or whatever. And people are trying to use a medical model of finding a physical cause, like a gallstone that you can remove, and thinking, if you can adjust your serotonin levels, then maybe you can remove the cause of all of this behavioural stuff that is called depression. And we're saying there is no one single physical root of this that is going to be removable and resolve the whole syndrome called depression So you can't apply that model to this type you of You can't apply the medical model mm-hmm. to what is basically a highly complex social and personal interaction. Mm-hmm. The physiology of the body... And also our social physiology, we are moved emotionally by our relationships mm-hmm. and what happens in those, the dynamics of those and so on. Mm-hmm. So, this, our, so the theory we've got here is that relational dynamics affects the physiology of the body, it moves it into uh, a chaotic state, and the unique thing of emotional logic is we develop tools to map that chaos. Nothing else can map the chaos mm-hmm. of emotions. Mm-hmm. And now within having mapped that, we can identify patterns that are associated predictably mm-hmm. with behaviours that are now diagnosed as mental illness, mm-hmm. but they are simply patterns of complex grieving. Mm-hmm. What is the intervention that can untangle the pattern of grieving that is actually the cause of the syndromes that are diagnosed as mental illness. Mm -hmm. Well, the intervention is a lifelong learning one. Mm -hmm. It's called emotional logic. Mm -hmm. How do these lost emotions fit together to make a laminar, smooth, healthy adjustment process that moves you from shock, where you're doubting your resources, onto a growth cycle where you're developing new resources so you can come through difficult situations stronger? Mm And we're able to teach that. That's been piloted for many years in different settings. Mm -hmm. Knowing that we can teach this, and we've got loads of stories and and, measurements about change, the healthy change that comes out of this, Mm -hmm. you can get profound changes in sense of personal identity from being a useless, weak, 
victim of situations to being an effective agent in the world, mm-hmm. able to make choices, able to relate to people more constructively, mm-hmm. simply through learning that the unpleasant emotions of a lost reaction are not part of the problem. Mm-hmm. They're inbuilt to you genetically as part of your survival mechanisms mm-hmm. to help you explore new ways to adjust when change has pushed you out of a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Now, being able to teach that to people rapidly improves their sense of self-respect and hope and gives them a renewed energy to explore. Mm-hmm. And that is the theory of change. That's the model of change, mm-hmm. is that by being able to map the emotional chaos, yeah, mm-hmm. then, then uh, learning that there is order within it and learning how to respect yourself for that order... Mm-hmm. Um, brings about automatically this is chaos theory you Mm -hmm. automatically do this now there is a a structure in business settings called sinifin structure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which explains different types of systems and different types of so the sinifin structure explains different types of systems the way lots of different people interacting together um, have a certain type of dynamic and it describes four phases, a simple, a very a well-ordered set of, inter- in, in, of relationships. Um, you can match that to ice, you know, water molecules f- fixed into ice. Mm-hmm. Then there's complicated, where things are very predictable. There might be lots of different things. The best model of that is a jumbo jet, mm-hmm. right? It's very complicated, lots of different parts, but they all connect to each other very logically. If you'd move this lever that much then the wing moves that much mm-hmm. and, and so on. That's predictable, but it's complicated. But then you, things move on to complex, mm-hmm. where there's lots of different interactions where if you make one change in the system, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a living system is like. It's a complex set of interactions, mm-hmm. um, which are physiological, but also structural, uh, to do, you know, all sorts of interactions, social and so on, all interacting together, mm-hmm. creating a very living mixture, mm-hmm. which is often unpredictable mm-hmm. in its outcomes. But it can get stuck into habits. Now, the, now, sometimes the habits are very healthy, and sometimes they're not. They're maladjustments to change. But that complex system can also move into the fourth state, the final one, called chaos. Mm-hmm. And that's what emotional chaos theory says. We can actually map emotional physiology mm-hmm. right that's become chaotic mm-hmm. which affects people's mental state their relationships the way they feel their physical health as well it affects the immune system affects hormone states you know acid in the stomach you name it blood pressure all of that goes into chaotic states mm-hmm. when the emotions are disrupted mm-hmm. by having a lifelong learning uh, method we seed order into chaos. That mm-hmm. is the way to intervene. This Sinophin model describes different ways of intervening in different systems. So simple systems need a simple intervention to, to adjust one, the tension of one nut, then the whole thing comes right. And Com- when you're saying that CBT uh, is approaching um, uh, the approach that you might be using in a simple system, it's because it's just p- purely addressing thoughts responsible for emotions. In in a particular situation, situation. It's as not well. really mapping the chaos yes. that is sitting behind it or addressing, indeed, the chaos that's Absolutely. sitting behind it. It is going straight for a simple solution. Yeah, thought yeah. equals emotions. Therefore, if you alter the thinking with disciplined thinking and uh, inspirational thinking, you can alter the emotional yeah. world. And the problem there is it relies on willpower. Yeah. You have to have the motivation to over to, 
group to say, I will use this method in this situation whenever I encounter it. And emotional logic is saying... Well, it's basically saying you will always encounter situations of unpredictable change mm -hmm. and it equips you to understand what your resources are mm -hmm. to explore how to seed order mm -hmm. into what looks as if it's drifting into chaos. And by comparison with CBT... So emotional logic will be helping us understand that the emotion, the emotions, the emotional preparation states associated with loss are actually leading on to the thoughts that arise from self-doubt, not the other way around. Absolutely. It's saying that the emotional processing, if we have a lot of experiences of grief, say the adverse childhood experiences uh, that are now understood how they accumulate and so on, the, um, that, that accumulation of, of loss emotions from an early age, even before people have cognitive thoughts as, as is understood to do with adult life, but so children, babies even, can have habits of grieving established. That affects your self-beliefs. Mm. And your self-beliefs, you know, I'm a weak, useless person, or you know, affects your beliefs about the world. The mm. world is a dangerous, nasty place, mm. etc. So out of those self-beliefs and beliefs about the world come your thoughts. Mm. And, and so that we're describing that half of the cycle. Now, it's absolutely true that as adults, when we're covering, we've, we've got memories, we've learned habits of survival, it is absolutely true. Certain thoughts will bring with them certain emotions. Mm. Change the habit of thinking, you remove the emotion, and so mm. on. But that's not the core of it. The core is the grief reaction, the, mm -hmm. the, the inbuilt survival response, mm -hmm. which we can get into habits, learned habits, mm. which we can unlearn mm. through emotional logic. And mm. that releases a whole load of energy to explore the new. Yes. Whereas CBT just says, I can cope with the moment. Mm. Yeah. This is no, I can explore how to adjust to any situation and build relationships and put social stability in as well as my personal internal stability. And you've mentioned chaos and emotional chaos theory and the linking of the chaos theory with emotional logic and the way that you can map emotional preparation states and, and see how the the emotional grieving state is causing complex problems in our physiological systems and therefore be misdiagnosed as mental health issues. Is it always chaos or can you have simple um, emotional um, grieving state complications and entanglements or is it always in the chaos quadra, uh, quarter of that um, sinophin? No, the, so, so I would say that the ideal state for most people is in complexity. Uh -huh. Complexity is loads of feedback loops that all interact in a way that they can constructively feed each other and it brings order. Mm -hmm. That's what life is, that's what mm -hmm. a living body is. Mm -hmm. but, but complex systems just as when, when breathing you need to breathe in you need to breathe out mm -hmm. the heart has diastole and systole mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a resting phase and there's an active phase mm -hmm. and living systems need resting and active phases mm -hmm. it has to we have to have the ability to go into simple resting states mm -hmm. at which there's healing restoration rebuilding and so on mm -hmm. and then we have to be able to come out of those mm -hmm. and interact with an unpredictable world to find food to find company to find stimulation and so on mm -hmm. um, but and the problem is, as soon as you start interacting with people, you run the risk of it turning into chaos. Mm -hmm. Now, complexity is the healthy state, um, and you can explore new solutions. Some people say business systems will push you to the edge of chaos, because mm -hmm. that's where you're exploring new solutions. Like the, the stasigram. Yeah, mm -hmm. in the stasigram, exactly. Um, but actually, even on the edge of chaos, you're not 
it's not like it's like warm water mm-hmm. there or hot water at that point. We're, we're bubbling around. We're the looking energy's for starting new. to come up and up and but up. But when yep. it starts turning into steam, into chaos, mm-hmm. no order's possible. Everything mm-hmm. is just dissipating and so on. But what I meant more is that, and I think that's really helpful, but what I meant more is that is every emotional um, preparation state um, entanglement leading us into chaos? Or could some of them be very simple? Could they be simple problems? No, no. Here we have. Now here we get. Um, we've. I'm thinking about the simple doing, world problems. Oh, absolutely. You know. No, I, I, I understand what what you're asking. Um, so by mapping uh, people's emotional chaos, by mm. having this lost reaction worksheet, which you map, you know, across the patterns of ticks on this page, mm. we've been able able to identify patterns where instead of going through seven healthy emotional preparation states for adjustment, mm. some people narrow their responses down to just two. Mm-hmm. So, for example, some people are only experiencing anger and guilt. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to associate that with certain behaviours, particularly obsessional compulsive behaviours. Mm-hmm. There, You know, there's several different whirlpools that produce different sorts of responses. Now, actually, when you if you see a Sinophon diagram, it's it's a grid of, of four, four grids. And the chaos in the top left-hand corner relates down to simple below it and across to the right of it is complex mm-hmm. and the bottom left-hand corner is complicated. Now, chaotic states can move both ways. They can mm-hmm. move back into complexity, which is healthy, mm-hmm. adaptable, responsive and so on. Or it can go down to a simple state, which is comfortable and so on, but it doesn't actually respond to mm. what's around. And now, you that's said what the other day that it can drop, the chaos, yes. that, that research. Tell us about it's, that research. Well, the, well, it's, well I think it, it collapses into it's, simplicity. It's called the collapse of chaos. Right, okay. And it collapses into something that is ordered. But what we're saying is these whirlpools of lost emotions are maladaptive responses. To They've try and collapsed. gain order. It, it, it's an attempt to gain, gain order because it's, it's even worse living in chaos but if I become a self-harmer, or if I've got bulimia or whatever, at least I know who I am. Yeah. You know, and I know that it can relieve tension. I don't like it, but that's who I am. So this is another way in which emotional logic and emotional chaos theory is actually borne out by the fact that we see these obvious column ticks that lead us to diagnose, not diagnose, but lead us to explore a very straightforward whirlpool because we have collapsed deliberately our chaotic uh, distress into simplicity just to give us a sense of order Absolutely and identity true. and now th- thank you it's a very neat summary that's exactly the way we're, we're saying it to be and what emotional logic does by having these card sorting yeah. methods and lost reaction worksheets and it's a conversational method you have somebody who's giving you time who's listening you're heard these cards make you know that what's important to you is being listened to by somebody else and that transforms things totally what it means you can do is reconnect with the chaos safely, safely by That's really also moving it from chaos, not to simplicity, which is a false sense of order, a false sense of identity, but moving chaos gently and with that herd approach into complexity. That is what complex, a healthy complexity is, conversational. For every single one of us, we need to be in responsive, interactive relationships. Which is the complexity. That is complexity. Healthy complexity, instead of this very enticing simplicity of set whirlpools where people get identities of being angry person, suicidal person, fatigued person, and they hold on to that because they haven't had the luxury or the help to get from chaos to complexity. It's And you need safe places. We're yeah. teaching all the time that an emotional logic safe place is not just a bomb shelter to hide away. 
it's your planning office and it needs to be conversational ideally of course we all need mental states or physical play we go for a walk in the garden or whatever and so on but but ideally it's conversational because behind all of this are what we call hidden losses mm. that you know if your job is under threat it's not just the job mm. you know it's everything associated with the job it's mm. your, your your prospects for promotion it's mm. your what your self-respect and um it's the routines all of that is mm. at risk those are hidden losses mm. and and what we're able to do is help people to recognize those by conversations where somebody's able to say, hey, look, you know, what's, what's important to you in this? Can, can Which we is talk effectively it? a feedback loop, constantly feeding back. It's another it feedback exactly loop that. encouraging the way of, the culture of complexity rather than simplicity through yes. emotional logic work. Absolutely so. But even in complexity, we all need times of rest. Yeah. We need moments of privacy. We need to have peace and calm. Some people call it a spiritual connection with a bigger picture beyond our understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's not religious that is just simply where do I belong in this universe mm. where can I rest mm. in this universe sometimes people, some people will rest with other people mm. the extroverts rest with other people mm. the introverts rest by finding a hideaway mm. or a place in nature and so on no rights or wrongs it's, it's just moving around between the complexity and the simplicity in a healthy way mm-hmm. uh, and so on so simplicity is to be encouraged as long as it's a healthy simplicity you've got to be able to go into a simple place and, and then come out to come out place. of it to where does complicated fit into the human condition I, I would say that is when you're dealing for example with an organisation that has to have particular rules and protocols okay. and you know this is the way we relate this is your role these are your duties these are the hours you work in you know so, so it's applying a little bit of simplicity to complexity for the state of rule, as it were, yeah, whether it's within an organisation or, or the world absolutely. or the country. It gives us, yes, it order. gives a sense of cohesion and order. But order, but not static and stale well, and, see, and And this fermented. is what's going on in the business world at the moment. Um, is that in the past, if you go back you know, 50 years, it was all about the individuals commit themselves to the business, they sacrifice their family and personal lives, it's all about the business and so on. But now there's a view that businesses, oh no, they're organic. Mm. You know, you need to find the creativity of your, uh, your employees, you need to encourage exploration amongst your employees. And, and it's new solutions, original solutions will emerge from the body of yeah. the business. Mm-hmm. Not every business can cope with that. Right, mm-hmm. and they're not designed for that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but that's the way things are going. Uh, of 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 the, that it's not just about the financial profit or having the product at the end. It's about people, planet, and products and profit. Sorry, people, planet, and, pro- and profit. And so, what you're mirroring there is the change also between the understanding that we have been brought up it with a, this observational and reductionist view of mental illness diagnosis. Um, and that also needs to shift in the same way. Absolutely so. So the complexity should be welcomed, the um, chaos should be welcomed, um, with the move to complex, but not to simple. Absolutely And we try so. to uh, impose the same um, reductionist view of just work, ethic, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, that sort of lack of, com- of, of, of understanding and embracing the complexity and the com- and the complicatedness within an organisation getting the best out of it we've applied that to the mental health diagnoses and the mental illness diagnoses we're not getting the best out of that either absolutely we're missing it 
Absolutely so. And I think if there's one thing that will help to shift that, uh, understanding the traumatised background to accumulating losses over time throughout our lives, is, that's, that's big stuff. But the, the little really achievable bit that can shift the whole system mm. is to acknowledge that our loss emotions, our grief emotions, the shocks, the angers, the guilts, the depressions and so on, are not part of the problem. Mm. They're part of the solution. They're the information uh, that we've got values. Yeah. We're knee-jerk reacting because our values are being challenged. Happening when we actually apply the simplicity concept um, to mental distress, like you apply the surgical symptoms and surgical sieve to a physical distress, is that you're missing out on the chance to map the chaos and re- help people return to complexity you're just trying to work with the simplicity concept and if you reduce human beings to a simplicity concept you end up with this type of behavioral modification or thought modification that actually relies on will and and willpower and motivation but emotional logic is mapping the truth of what lies beneath and mm. is an innate um process which just happens on its own if if coached and steered by people who yeah. can understand the process absolutely we, we've got into a, a state because we name syn- syndromes and say this pattern of symptoms is what this syndrome is yeah and we assume that there must be a cause but we can't get to that so therefore what we'll do is try and control the symptoms it's yeah. all about symptom relief yeah you know so so that's what the behavioral response is doing it's trying to control the symptoms then we say well you're better aren't you but actually so a lot what, of people so what's actually <laughs> happening they're not what's actually happening in the current way in which we're managing mental health diagnosis and mental health understanding is that we are treating the signals we're trying to damp down the signals um so we're actually missing the chance to treat the underlying cause completely we're actually contributing to the problem it's a bit like like driving a car and actually and and just putting something over the top of dampening down all the warning lights and i'm I'm afraid to say i actually think that this is what the reason why there's so much more anxiety increasing in young people in schools self-harming behavior in primary schools now and so on it's absolutely i actually think i'm afraid to say the the strategies of the royal college is over the last 15 years to normalize depression and and so on uh, or and and to destigmatize it has actually created the problem. Yeah. I've actually heard a teacher report that one child said to her, she's really anxious, that she might have anxiety. Yeah. Now, so all the teaching about you know diagnosing early recognition of mental illness is completely off the wall. Yeah. These children don't have mental illness. Yeah. They're just confused. They just don't know what's going on. They want yeah. to know what's going on. Yeah. And they're losing so much of what is absolutely core to being human because they're not getting the conversational interaction. It's all on a screen. It's all on etc. etc. Or maybe you're going I'm going too far there. No, no, no. We're we're, we're, we're tapping into some really root cause in attitudes in society that have taken away something fundamentally human in terms of conversational interaction. But also, I'm just going back to this thing that I said because I think it actually works very well for me to understand it. All dynamic systems have warning um, signs when things are going out of kilter. Hmm. So in your normal biological feedback systems, we all get warning signs, which are symptoms. So yeah. if your thyroid's out of kilter and you're hyperthyroid, you'll get the tachycardia, you'll get the anxiety, you'll get the hot sweats or whatever, you'll get the fatigue as well now, mm-hmm. well, well recognised. But you don't just, but so you go to the doctor and they'll say, oh, right, you know, 
you're getting all these flushes and all this heat. So you don't just get told to treat the symptoms of hypothyroidism. The root cause is treated. Mm. The, the excess of thyroid is treated. And we look at those symptoms as a signal that there is something wrong in a biodynamic <laughs> feedback loop. Mm. But we're not doing that with mental illness. No, it's because, yeah. We're treating mm-hmm. the symptoms. So it's like going to see the doctor and saying, I'm hot, hot flushes, tachycardic. And they go, right, have a beta blocker, take some ice packs and um, do this and this and this. And we'll treat all the symptoms and you'll be better. And, and in mental illness, that's exactly what's happening. People come with anxiety. Mm-hmm. People come with depression that's diagnosed. They come with the uh, behavioural um, expressions of some of the whirlpools of emotional preparation states interacting and conflicting with each other, each therefore um, upsetting the ability of the other to fulfil its useful purpose. And instead of looking at the root cause, mapping the chaos, we're treating the symptoms. Yeah, and a lot of it is because people are thinking in terms of function. They want people to get back to work. They want people to perform in school. Um, And it's not about human development. It's not about the development of relationships and stable, uh, I'm going to say it, stable family systems in which the next generation grows up with a strong sense identity able to cope and adjust and adjust to changing situations by building relationships mm-hmm. people are not being trained into that they're looking for simple quick you fixes. know quick fix solutions yeah. can you get back to work can you keep earning the money etc yeah can you keep this this country working in comp- competition with other countries losing the heart of humanity yes which is actually the stable future uh, yes. And we, we can get back to that. I believe we can. If, if organisations and governments are able to think in terms of stability over a generation, but we're thinking in such short term uh, all the time, from one general election to the next or yeah. from, um, you know, from, from one sort of set of targets, from one annual target setting to the next, yeah. in my annual budget, how do I, etc., etc., but uh, but the, I do believe that I think I said it before. But to come back to really honouring those grief emotions as evidence of personal values, that we can build an action plan on those values to build a future respecting values and preserving them, this society can recover, mm-hmm. and we can allow diversity. We can allow curiosity. Mm. Um, we can allow people to have their social groups, but without excluding others mm. and so on, because. The loss emotions don't have to turn into these whirlpools mm. that turn rejecting or harmful of others. Mm. You, you, you can tolerate the fact that they're different to you. There's and no actually fear. Think, there's no fear. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. You're moving you, the fear. You can just say, well, that's you and this is me yeah. and let's enjoy life. Yes. But, and yeah. the underpinning ability to do that is based on, you were saying about understanding each other's positions, but let's bring it back to EL. What is it based on? It's based on what you value, what you're upset about if it's threatened, and what I value and what I get upset about if it's threatened. But instead of thinking you're threatening me and I'm threatening you, it's understanding the values of each party. Absolutely so. And this is what this is the way we do couples work or family work or whatever. Everybody lays out a card pattern for a similar situation and people get curious. They say, I never realised you were feeling angry underneath this. I thought your tears just meant you were, yeah. you know, whatever, and so on. And people get insights very rapidly Mm. into other people's worlds. And when Mm. they map out the loss reaction worksheet and they've named these hidden losses, you get amazing insights. And suddenly two people who've been warring for for years even can decide they're going to cooperate Mm. on just getting a walk in the park in an evening. Mm. And 
the unpredictable is allowed. Yes. The unexpected you can happen. order into chaos. You seeded order into chaos. And it can be that small. Yeah. This is the beauty of it. That it, it can be as small as putting a fact, water machine back in an office where people can interact and not feel isolated. It can be as small as a, yeah. you know, a walk in the park or Absolutely whatever. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. And, and very occasionally you come across somebody who's actually angry because they say, what do you mean the simple, the answer is so, so, so simple. simple. Why didn't I and we say, well, just try it. You know, because you can't say that it will work, yeah. but it's a very good chance that something unexpected will happen and it might be good. You know, whereas we so often, we're telling ourselves off for having these negative, what we're called, no, hang on, I've said the wrong thing there. We actually say there's no such thing as a negative emotion, yeah. only unpleasant ones that have useful purposes. purposes. There are negative thoughts, there's negative beliefs and so on, but the emotions all are information about our values. But you only know what you value when you see a risk you might lose it. It's those lost emotions that are the clue. And I've just had a really interesting thought about this whole interface with resilience. You know, as a GP, I've gone on a resilience course. I've done it 16 hours of Chris Johnson's resilience course. And actually, instead of just trying to force, motivate, will, use will to use different thinking strategies to overcome adversity, you need to think, what is, why am I experiencing this set of interventions or this set of events as adversity? I have to recognise that if I'm experiencing this as adversity, something I value is being threatened. And instead of just trying to think my way out of it with inspirational uh, role models or a mantra to help me breathe deeper and just get on with it, I should be thinking, what is it that is making this event feel like adversity for me? What is it that I value that is being threatened? And once I've actually understood the loss I'm experiencing that is making this event for me feel like adversity that may not make it feel like adversity for someone else so my manager may not realize that getting 10 more patients slotted into my surgery is adversity for her it's not adversity it's perfect for me 10 more patients feels like adversity but what have i lost so the resilience model will say think your way out of it feel your way out of it use a mantra deep breathing think about shackleton think about inspirational people like the dalai lama don't use any intellectual rigor don't map your chaos your symptoms are that you're upset distressed you're feeling angry now and you're getting stressed and that's your fault no what you should be doing is thinking I'm experiencing this as adversity. Isn't that interesting? If I'm experiencing this as adversity, what am I losing here? What am I under threat of losing? What have mm. I lost already? How yeah. can I map this? How can I bargain to get it back? And if I can't get it back, how do I move to acceptance? You've been listening to an Emotional Logic podcast. For more information about how to harness emotions constructively, please visit our website at www emotionallogiccenter.org.uk